Welcome to Grace to All. I'm your host, Paul Gray. You've probably used the word grace, sang Amazing Grace, or said grace at a meal. But did you know that God's grace is way better than we can even imagine, and that you and all people already have an abundant supply of God's unlimited amazing grace? Today, we're going to hear the truth about God's amazing grace to all people. So, sit back, relax, and prepare to be inspired and awakened to the amazing treasures that you already possess. This is truth that you can handle. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining me once again for another edition of Grace to All with Paul Gray. We have a group here in Lawrence, Kansas, where I live, that we started 30 years ago this fall. We started with seven families, no place to meet, no resources. And one of my closest friends said, ain't going to last. You got too few people, no resources. You haven't been to Bible school or seminary. And when you personally run out of money, it's going to cease to exist. I'm still good friends with that person. But at that point in time, his focus was on lack. He was focusing on a lot of zeros. There was little prophetic truth to his prediction because we're still here 30 years later. But there is one just little bit prophetic truth that does have to do with the number zero. And we're going to get to that in a little while. 30 years. What's the significance of the number 30? Well, if you're into that kind of thing, there's a lot. The number 30 is highly creative and social. The numerology, the number 30, represents highly creative and social energies. 30 resonates with optimism. It can be thought of as a limitless three, the creative digit three, followed by the unlimited digit zero. Unlimited digit of zero. Well, we're going to come back to that a few different times and then end with it. Today, we're going to look at God's math. And I think you'll find this interesting and enlightening. First of all, with multiplication, God multiplies lots of things. He certainly multiplies grace. Peter, who knew that he needed grace and was very appreciative of it, wrote in 2 Peter 1, 2, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. You know, grace is love in action, just continually working all things for the good, the restoration of all. God just multiplies God's grace in us and through us and as us to everybody we're around. He multiplies love and grace and peace in us to others. God also does subtraction. God takes away things that are not good for us. First John four sixteen to 18 tells us that God is love and there's no fear in love and perfect love, which is God, takes away fear. God gives good things and God takes away. One of the things God takes away is fear. God also takes away our sins. As a matter of fact, he's already taken it all away. God ultimately takes away everything not of love's kind, everything not good. And it ends up with zero. More about zero later. All right, let's talk about division. 2 Timothy 2.15, the New American Standard translates it this way. 
study to show yourself approved, which means in the Greek to place yourself beside God and show that you are accepted by God and rightly divide the word of truth. Probably heard that phrase, rightly divide the word of truth. Now, word there is logos, that's the Greek word, which means the living word of God or Jesus. It means the true reality. How do you divide Jesus? There's only one truth. Jesus is truth. How do you divide truth? How do you divide Jesus? Well, of course, you can't. (laughs) But you can divide the real Jesus, the only true God, from the false Jesus, as the Apostle Paul calls it. You can divide the true gospel from the false gospel as Paul says. You can rightly divide the world's doctrinal system of darkness's concept of Jesus from the truth about the real Jesus. And then you can separate them and put them as far in the east as from the west, where they never meet. You can shine the light of truth of the only true God onto the darkness of the world's doctrinal system of darkness and expose it for what it is, a fake false representation, a misrepresentation of deity and who God is and the things about God, God's character. You can divide the real thing from the false thing. Now, when you start to see the difference between truth and fiction, between light and darkness, between the world's doctrinal system of the darkness fictitious God and the only two God, when you divide those two, those with eyes to see and ears to hear, Jesus said, will pay no attention to the darkness. We're free from it. It's a no thing, zero, no credibility. Second Timothy 2.15, the mirror translation says this. Paul's writing to us, without any delay, live your life from a place where you are familiar with the complete approval of God. Don't be going someplace where they tell you you're not approved by God says, you don't need to apologize for the fact that your experience, what's happening in your life, might be a contradiction to your faith. I mean, we sometimes, from what we can see in our life, we don't think we would be approved by God. But that's not the truth. He says, what God believes about you needs no defense. There is such an immediate authority and clarity. Truth triumphs over every contradiction. It makes a clear-cut division between light and darkness. That's what God's talking about when other versions say, rightly divide the word of God. Truth triumphs over every contradiction. It makes a clear-cut division between light and darkness. The word of truth, Paul says, shows distinctly that the duty-driven law of works and annoyances and the love-driven law of perfect liberty have nothing in common. Zero. All right. We've looked at multiplication, subtraction, and division. That's just one little example of each, obviously. I'm not not trying to be a be-all, end-all thing here. Let's just take a quick look at algebra. Look for the meaning of X. What is X? Well, the Trinity, they show us the answer to all the questions. So it's imperative that we have the right questions. A lot of times people would ask Jesus a question, and he wouldn't even answer that question. I mean, he wouldn't even pay any attention to it, but he would start giving answers to the real questions. 
One of the biggest questions that I think all mankind has is, what am I here for? So if you make an algebraic equation of that, you take life, our life, plus time, the time we're here on Earth, and the equation, then the equal sign is X, is what is it? Why are we here for? It's to be loved, to know and experience God's love and to love ourselves and love God and love others. Loving relationships is the meaning of creation. It's the meaning of life. That's why God created us. That's what God's all about. Victor Wooten, who's a great musician, a great bass player, I think the best there is, uh, has written some great books. One of them is called The Spirituality of Music. And in it, he says, everyone needs to be loved and everyone needs to know they are loved and to know they can love. Well, that's pretty good, isn't it? How about the mysterious X of what is God's will? What does God want us to do? Listening to a great interview with Paul Young this week, and Paul said, you know, I stopped asking God to bless what I'm doing and said, God, I just want to get in on what you're doing because, you know, he says, I know you'll bless me. God's always with us. When, When we do something on our own, God's there. He's just not doing what we're doing. When we do what he's up to, then he actually does it. <laughs> That's He multiplies our efforts, if you will. 30 years ago, when we started our church, our motives were pure as far as we knew at the time. We wanted to get people saved and to believe right, like we believe, because we were right. <laughs> and we wanted people to escape eternal conscious torment, because we thought that they were going to go to eternal conscious torment. Well, God was with us in those days. He just wasn't participating in that. Some good things happened in our church, lots of wonderful people. But in retrospect, we built that church as far as we could in our own human power and strength. When we started doing what he's up to, though, a few years ago, he's now multiplied us what he's doing all over the world and invited us to take part in what he's doing, to partner with him. He subtracted our doctrine and multiplied our grace. (laughs) Some people think what God's will is. Some people think that we're here for God to use us. Well, those of us who have been used by people and families, business, sports, music, especially religion, we have an aversion to that term being used. God doesn't use us. An artist uses her brushes and her colors and stuff, but she doesn't talk to them or go for walks with them or listen to them or love them. Same thing with a musician and his instruments or with a carpenter and and their tools, you know. See, God invites us to participate with him in what he's doing. He partners with us. He relates to us. He doesn't use us. When we were into religion, we thought we were right. And we wanted to prove it. Well, we knew we were right. (laughs) That's not a good place to be. And we wanted to show it to everybody. I'm learning it's, as Paul Young says, it's a lot easier to be smart or think you're smart than it is to love. Religion wants to be right and in control. Each of the 40,000 plus denominations wants to be right and in control and ends up controlling people and 
using people. We're not into religion. We want to be loved and to love. Religion's about the mind being right, thinking we are pleasing God with what we do. The Trinity is about the heart. It's about love in relationships. 30 years ago, we were all about doctrine, statements of faith, primarily what we were against. And we've come to know that God, Papa, Jesus, and Grace are not about a system of beliefs. They're not about doctrine. They're about relationship. See, truth is not an appeal to join an organization. Truth is not a set of rules to follow or doctrines to believe. It's not about a bunch of dogmas and rituals. Truth is a conversation between lovers, between friends. Papa Jesus and Grace are known by the truth of who they are for, not what or who they're against. Right now, at our ever-evolving place in, in our group that we have here in Lawrence, and those of you who join us from around the world, we're all about creating a space where people can hear Papa, Jesus, and Grace for themselves. Not to believe what we believe, not to believe the doctrines that we, well, we don't have any doctors. We're not into that. We're all about helping people experience God themselves and hear from God themselves. A lot of times people say, well, Paul, how can I know if I'm hearing God's voice? Well, one way we recognize that it's God's voice is when we realize, wow, I never would have said something like that. Somebody who loves me very much was very upset with me last week, and rightfully so. And they came to me to tell me off. And instead, they found themselves saying really sweet, loving words to me. And I realized in the course of that how I had been insensitive with what I'd said and it hurt them. But I didn't feel condemned by them. I didn't feel shamed by them. I felt loved and accepted. Well, they left that little encounter and told me about it later and said they immediately walked away or let not walked away, but left that meeting and thought, where did that come from? Where did those words come from? That wasn't what I was going to say. That's how we can know that we're hearing from God when we hear and say things that we would not have said. God is all about the heart, love and relationships. One of the members of our group, Bob Engel, is a longtime friend of Brian Zahn. Brian's a great teacher, speaker, author. And Bob sent me a video of Brian's message recently when they celebrated the 40th anniversary of their church in St. Joseph, Missouri. And I can really relate to a lot of the things that Brian said. He said, you know, when you start a church, you start out wanting to do good things for God. And then when bad things happen, you wonder, where is God? Why doesn't God help me? Look at all I'm doing for God. And he talked about some of the challenges their churches had. Of course, all churches, you know, have ups and downs and challenges and messy things. And then with churches like ours, and ours is like his, vice versa, especially when you start to get the revelation of grace and then the revelation of the fatherhood of God and then the revelation of God being pure light with no trace of darkness and then the revelation of the Trinitarian relational love and inclusion and the restoration of all people, then, I mean, things start to be wonderful in your personal growing relationship with Jesus, Papa, and Grace. And every day you find out that God is even better than you thought about God was the day before. 
And at the same time, things can be not so good in a church when the church comes to those realizations. It can be actually very awful, and Brian talked about that. People leave without saying why. People actually tell you they can no longer be your friends and hang out with you because you don't believe the same way they do. People accuse you and condemn you and slander you publicly on social media. Giving dwindles away. You can no longer afford a building. Now, that's not true with Brian Zahn's church, but it is with a lot of us who've come through this transition. There's all of a sudden no longer any money for salaries. The numbers drop. You're no longer included in your former network of friends and colleagues. It's really hard. On the one hand, things are going wonderful with our relationship with God. On the other hand, things can be really tough because of the criticism and the rejection. And we can wonder in those times, God, where are you? Why aren't you doing something? We're trying to help people understand how good you are. And people are rejecting us and saying bad things about us. Well, Brian talked about that and put it in the perspective of their 40 years, which is certainly relevant to us in our 30 years and to all people in however many years we've been here on earth. Brian talked about God's tapestry of grace. We've talked about that before. Some of you know the concept. In a tapestry, the artist works from behind the back of the tapestry. And back there, it looks like chaos. There are knots and things hanging here and there, and the colors don't make sense and stuff like that. It's not pretty, but the front side is compellingly beautiful. You know, castles and government buildings, starting, I think, in Europe and in around the world, display huge tapestries showing a linear picture of the history of their society. And it basically shows the wins and the victories and the triumphs and the good things. But on the back of those tapestries are all the knots and the jagged edges and the, the dark colors and things that aren't so good. The world's largest tapestry is 3,196 feet long. It's in Peru. It took 10 different weavers working together at the same time, three months to complete it. It's 10 times the length of a football field. <laughs> well, Brian talks about our tapestry as individuals and as a church. And at any given time, we can focus on the bad things that are happening on the backside of our picture. And of course, religious religion tells us that bad things happen because God's punishing us and mad at us and withholding favor and there's sin in our lives and, and in the church and God's punishing us. Those are lies, of course. See, the tapestry picture shows us God does not cause all things to happen. God does not cause bad things to happen for any reason. God does cause all things that do happen to work together for the good for those whom God loves and God loves us all. So what about all those bad things that happen to you and me? The not so good things in the life of the church, in our family life, our personal life. What about those? 
Well, Paul tells us in Romans 8, 28, many of you know this verse. We know that the love of God causes everything to work together. The love of God causes everything to mutually contribute to our advantage. The mirror says his master plan is announced in our original identity. See, God takes all the trials and tribulations and troubles and things that don't seem good in our life and aren't good in our life many times. God takes those. God's working behind the scenes on the backside of our tapestry, our personal tapestry, our family's tapestry, our church's, our ministry's tapestry. God's continually, the three of them, Papa, Jesus, and Grace, are taking all of those things without our knowledge, without our awareness, without our permission, and working them all into good, for good, for this beautiful tapestry of our lives. Now, here's where God's math is really impressive. Remember I said we get back to the sum of zero? Here's what God does using this tapestry illustration and using God's math. I got this from my friend Paul Young. God takes all the not so good things in our life, adds them up, and comes up with the sum total of zero. That's how God's addition works. God takes all the awful things in our life, the things that we don't like, the things that we hate, the things that didn't work out well, our sins, our shortcomings, our transgressions. He takes all of those, adds them up, and the sum ends up being zero. He takes all those things and moves them from glory to glory, from the backside of the tapestry to the front, from faith to faith, from grace to grace, from not so good to good. Everything that happens to us, God uses to move us from his grace to our grace, his glory to our glory, his faith to our faith. In God's math, in the area of addition, God adds up all the bad things and ends up with the sum of zero. In the end, everything works out for the good. In the end, what we see is the front side of that tapestry that God's been weaving all of our life. See, grace works forwards and backwards to work all things for the good, the restoration of all things. Everything sad will come to be untrue. All will be well. Any given moment in our life is not our whole life. It's not the finished product. It's not the beautiful tapestry. It's something that's happening probably on the backside of that tapestry. And you will be stunned by the reality of the finished work. On that day, we will know as we have always been known. You'll be stunned. To put it in words I can understand, everything's going to be all right. The back of the tapestry is a tangled mess that doesn't make sense. But God works it all for the good. This beautiful picture of the restoration of all things. Everything sad will become untrue. There's no death, no sorrow, no pain, no sickness, no poverty. All these will pass away. There'll be zero, a no thing. And Jesus makes all things new. Life may suck right now where you are, but you can have the mindset. 
the real true mindset, the true expectation that all will be good and we'll get to see the front side of the tapestry wherever. All our negatives, our trials, tribulation, problems, troubles, mistakes, everything not good or bad will be added up by God and the sum total will be no bad, all good. So here, let me just summarize God's math for us in closing. God's love and grace is so powerful and so relentless that we can't change it or affect it or diminish it or add to it or subtract from it or divide it, but we can participate with it and in it and manifest it and we can multiply it to others. Grace to all. Hey, everybody. Hope this is encouraging to you. It is to me. Love you all. I'll see you next time on Grace to All with Paul Gray. Thank you for listening to Grace to All. For more about us, how we can serve you, and our special guest, please visit www.gracewithpaulgray.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode and to join our Facebook group, Grace to All, where you'll be inspired and awakened to more truth that you can handle.